Section 20 of The Natural History, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jack Ball. The Natural History, Volume 7, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 20. Book 34, Chapters 39 to 46. Chapter 39, Iron Ores. Next to copper, we must give an account of the metal known as iron, at the same time the most useful and the most fatal instrument in the hand of mankind. For by the aid of iron we lay open the ground, we plant trees, we prepare our vineyard trees, and we force our vines each year to resume their youthful state by cutting away their decayed branches. It is by the aid of iron that we construct houses, cleave rocks, and perform so many other useful offices of life. But it is with iron also that wars, murders, and robberies are effected, and this not only hand to hand, but from a distance even, by the aid of missiles and winged weapons, now launched from engines, now hurled by the human arm, and now furnished with feathery wings. This last I regard as the most criminal artifice that has been devised by the human mind, for, as if to bring death upon man with still greater rapidity, we have given wings to iron and taught it to fly. Let us therefore acquit nature of a charge that here belongs to man himself. Indeed, there have been some instances in which it has been proved that iron might be solely used for innocent purposes. In the treaty, which Pocina granted to the Roman people after the expulsion of the kings, we find it expressly stipulated that iron shall only be employed for the cultivation of the fields, and our oldest authors inform us that in those days it was considered unsafe to write with an iron pen. There is an edict extant, published in the third consulship of Pompeius Magnus, during the tumults that ensued upon the death of Cordius, prohibiting any weapon from being retained in the city. Chapter 40. Statues of Iron, Chaste Works in Iron. Still, however, human industry has not failed to employ iron for perpetuating the honours of more civilised life. The artist, Aristonidas, wished to express the fury of Athamas subsiding into repentance after he had thrown his son, Learchus, from the rock, blending copper and iron, in order that the blush of shame might be more exactly expressed by the rust of the iron, making its appearance through the shining substance of the copper, a statue which still exists at Rhodes. There is also in the same city a Hercules of iron, executed by Aelion, the endurance displayed in his labours by the god having suggested the idea. We see too, at Rome, cups of iron consecrated in the temple of Mars the Avenger. Nature, in conformity with her usual benevolence, has limited the power of iron by inflicting upon it the punishment of rust, and has thus displayed her usual foresight in rendering nothing in existence more perishable than the substance which brings the greatest dangers upon perishable mortality. Chapter 41. The different kinds of iron and the mode of tempering it. Iron ores are to be found almost everywhere, for they exist even in the Italian island of Ilva, being easily distinguished by the ferruginous colour of the earth. The method of working the ore is the same as that employed in the case of copper, 
In Cappadocia, however, it is peculiarly questionable whether this metal is a present due to the water or to the earth, because when the latter has been saturated with the water of a certain river, it yields, and then only, an iron that may be obtained by smelting. There are numerous varieties of iron ore, the chief causes of which arise from differences in the soil and in the climate. Some earths produce a metal that is soft and nearly akin to lead, others an iron that is brittle and coppery, the use of which must be particularly avoided in making wheels or nails, the former kind being better for these purposes. There is another kind, again, which is only esteemed when cut into short lengths and is used for making hobnails, and another which is more particularly liable to rust. All these varieties are known by the name of Strictura, an appellation which is not used with reference to the other metals and is derived from the steel that is used for giving an edge. There is a great difference too in the smelting. Some kinds producing nerves of metal, which are especially adapted for hardening into steel or else prepared in another manner, for making thick anvils or heads of hammers. But the main difference results from the quality of the water in which the red-hot metal is plunged from time to time. The water which is in some places better for this purpose than in others, has quite ennobled some localities for the excellence of their iron. Bilbilis, for example, and Ceriasso in Spain, and Comum in Italy, and this although there are no mines in these spots. But of all the different kinds of iron, palm of excellence is awarded to that which is made by the Ceres, who send it to us with their tissues and skins, next to which in quality is the Parthian iron. Indeed, None of the other kinds of iron are made of the pure, hard metal, a softer alloy being welded with them all. In our part of the world, a vein of ore is occasionally found to yield a metal of this high quality, as in noricum, for instance, but in other cases, it derives its value from the mode of working it, as ad sulmo, for example, a result owing to the nature of its water, as already stated. It is to be observed also that in giving an edge to the iron, there is a great difference between oil whetstones and water whetstones, the use of oil producing a much finer edge. It is a remarkable fact that when the ore is fused, the metal becomes liquefied, like water, and afterwards acquires a spongy, brittle texture. It is the practice to quench smaller articles of iron with oil, lest by being hardened in water they should be rendered brittle. Human blood revenges itself upon iron, for if the metal has been once touched by this blood, it is more apt to become rusty. Chapter 42. The Metal Called Live Iron We shall speak of the lodestone in its proper place, and of the sympathy which it has with iron. This is the only metal that acquires the properties of that stone, retaining them for a length of time and attracting other iron, so that we may see sometimes a whole chain formed of these rings. The lower classes, in their ignorance, call this live iron, and the wounds that are made by it are much more severe. This mineral is also found in Cantabria, not in continuous strata, like the genuine lodestone, but in scattered fragments, which they call the bolationes. I do not know whether this species of ore is proper also for the fusion of glass, as no one has hitherto tried it, but it certainly imparts the same property as the magnet iron. The architect Timosharis began to erect a vaulted roof of lodestone in the temple of Arsinoe and Alexandria, in order that the iron statue of that princess 
might have the appearance of hanging suspended in the air. His death, however, and that of King Ptolemaeus, who had ordered this monument to be erected in honour of his sister, prevented the completion of the project. Chapter 43 Methods of Preventing Rust Of all metals, the ores of iron are found in the greatest abundance. In the maritime parts of Cantabria, which are washed by the ocean, there is a steep and lofty mountain, which, however incredible it may appear, is entirely composed of this metal, as already stated in our description of the parts bordering upon the ocean. Iron which has been acted upon by fire is spoiled, unless it is forged with the hammer. It is not in a fit state for being hammered when it is red-hot, nor indeed until it has begun to assume a white heat. By sprinkling vinegar or alum upon it, it acquires the appearance of copper. It is protected from rust by an application of ceruse, gypsum and tar, a property of iron known by the Greeks as antipathia. Some pretend too that this may be ensured by the performance of certain religious ceremonies, and that there is in existence at the city of Zeugma, upon the Euphrates, an iron chain by means of which Alexander the Great constructed a bridge across the river. The links of which that have been replaced are attacked with rust, while the original links are totally exempt from it. Chapter 44 Seven Remedies Derived from Iron Iron is employed in medicine for other purposes besides that of making incisions. For if a circle is traced with iron, or a pointed weapon is carried three times round them, it will preserve both infant and adult from all noxious influences. If nails too that have been extracted from a tomb are driven into the threshold of a door, they will prevent nightmare. A slight puncture with the point of a weapon with which a man has been wounded will relieve sudden pains, attended with stitches in the sides or chest. Some affections are cured by cauterization with red-hot iron, the bite of the mad dog more particularly, for even if the malady has been fully developed and hydrophobia has made its appearance, the patient is instantly relieved on the wound being cauterized. Water in which iron has been plunged at a white heat is useful as a potion in many diseases, dysentery more particularly. Chapter 45 14 Remedies Derived from Rust Rust itself, too, is classed among the remedial substances, for it was by means of that that Achilles cured Telephus. It is said, whether it was an iron weapon or a brazen one that he used for the purpose. So it is, however, that he represented in paintings detaching the rust with his sword. The rust of iron is usually obtained for these purposes by scraping old nails with a piece of moistened iron. It has the effect of uniting wounds, and is possessed of a certain desiccative and astringent properties. Applied in the form of a liniment, it is curative of alopecy. Mixed with wax and myrtle oil, it is applied to granulations of the eyelids, and pustules in all parts of the body. With vinegar, it is used for the cure of chrysipelas, and applied with lint, it is curative of itch, which slows on the fingers, and hangnails. Used as a pessary with wool, it arrests female discharges. Diluted in wine and kneaded with myrrh, it is applied to recent wounds and, with vinegar, to condylomata swellings. Employed in the form of a liniment, it alleviates gout. Chapter 46 17 Remedies Derived from the Scales of Iron Hygrum Plastrum The scales of iron, which are procured from a fine point or a sharp edge, 
are also made use of, being very similar in effect to rust but more active, for which reason they are employed for defluxions of the eyes. They arrest bleeding also, more particularly from wounds inflicted with iron, and they act as a check upon female discharges. They are applied to for diseases of the spleen, and they arrest hemorrhoidal swellings and serpiginous ulcers. They are also useful for affections of the eyelids, gradually applied in the form of a white powder. But their chief recommendation is their great utility in the form of a hygrum plastrum, or wet plaster, for cleansing wounds and fistulous sores, consuming all kinds of calcites, and making new flesh on bones that are denuded. The following are the ingredients. Of pitch, six obeli, of similonian chalk, six drachmae, two drachmae of pounded copper, the same quantity of scales of iron, six drachmae of wax, and one sextarius of oil. To these is added some serrate, when it is wanted to cleanse or fill up wounds. End of section 20. Recording by Jack Ball.